Okay, we're going to get started here. <laughs> Good to see the faithful few here tonight. <laughs> Amen. We got uh, Phyllis is down in Birmingham with Harvey. Um, so, yeah, we're going to pray for Brother Harvey in a little bit. And pray for everybody else. Just pray for the church. Um, a lot of prayers to go around, and um, the Lord is able. The Lord is faithful. We want to be encouraged by the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God toward His people, because God is good toward those who love Him. So He is good toward us, and I want us to be encouraged uh, in that. Uh, despite despite what's going on, um, God is good. So let's go for the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, uh, as we come to you tonight, we thank you for this this day and this week. It's been a tough little season for our church here the last few weeks. Uh, my brother Harvey had what appeared to be a mini stroke. Um, and he's right now in Brookwood and uh, Homewood and Birmingham. Lord, we actually look upon him, look upon the doctors, the nurses, everyone who will be attending to them, those gifted hands who were gifted by you to care for your creation, care for your image bearers. That you got their hands, got their minds, got their wisdom as they seek to care for him, Lord, that they uh, do take care of him. Bring him back to health and whatever is going on with him, Lord, that they're able to diagnose it and that they're able to, with the wisdom that you've given them, take care of him, Lord, and and rehabilitate uh, him and bring him back to uh, full health. We thank you, Lord. He's a faithful brother, faithful member of our church. He loves the saints and the saints love him. And may he be encouraged by the love of the saints, the love of each of us for him, Lord. May that be a source of encouragement for him. And for Phyllis, her, his sister who's down there with him, Lord, be with Phyllis also. She would desire to be with us here at church, but Lord, she's down there. I pray that you be with her also as she, you know, has been taking care of her brother and making sure his needs are met. His other siblings, Lord, we pray for them also that you be with them. Lord, we pray for... Um, Mr. Lois and and um, Brother Dow, the situation going on with their legs, that you provide them comfort, Lord. Bless the doctors to be able to care for them also. We pray for grace, Lord, and what's going on with her, that you be with her, that you visit her, that you have your way in her life, encourage her in the spirit. For anyone else in our church who's struggling with different things, Lord, that you be with all of us, that you, we know that you are with us, no matter what happens, no matter what may come, no matter how we may feel, to know with certainty, Lord, that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. So, Lord, with that, let us uh, bless, bless, Lord, our time in your word together as we begin a new book, the book of Joshua, looking at Israel crossing over into the promised land. Lord, fill me with your spirit to teach this text well and send your spirit to illuminate your truth to us tonight as we hear from heaven. In Christ's name I pray, amen. 
Amen. So we're transitioning out of uh, tonight will be mostly introduction in some parts of chapter one. We won't necessarily get through all of it, but just kind of introducing this section of the Bible. The first thing to note is that the, the first five books of the Bible are called the law or Moses's law or the Pentateuch, uh, the five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They called that because, uh, you know, Moses wrote those books. And those books establishes God's law and commandments for his people. So the book of Deuteronomy closes, in essence, the first section of Scripture. And historically, the next section, the books of uh, Joshua all the way down through uh, the Chronicles, or actually Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, are called the historical books. And they call that because they tell the story of Israel's entry into the promised land and then Israel's life in the land under judges and also uh, kings. And then you have the division of the nation. If you're reading through first and second kings, how the nation was split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And uh, the life in both. And then the downfall of each kingdom and also the exile. And then life in the exile, which includes uh, the books of Daniel and also after the exile, which um, covers Ezra and Nehemiah. And these books cover uh, from Joshua all the way down to the rest of those historical books. They cover about 1000 years of biblical history. So we're getting into the historical uh, books of the Bible that chronicle Israel's history entering into the promised land so this book of Joshua deals with that it is named for the leading character who is Joshua um, no one knows who the author of Joshua is uh, the, the author of the book is unknown but it is inspired uh, scripture now one of the main themes of Joshua is um, it points to God's work of redemption by bringing Israel into the promised land. That's what it basically uh, conquers. Okay, God, of course, he delivered his people out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land. And that is what uh, this book uh, represents. Now, the name Joshua means the Lord saves and Joshua's name is Hebrew for Jesus okay God saves or the Lord saves so Joshua's name Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus so we're going to see in this book Joshua is a a type of Christ Joshua is a type of Christ And spiritual victory is one of the themes of uh, this book. It is the victory of, of God fulfilling his covenant promise to lead Abraham's descendants into possession of the promised land of Canaan. And they're going to have to overcome some powerful enemies and they're going to have to overcome some obstacles. So under Joshua's leadership, uh, God's people will have to engage the enemy 
by trusting in the Lord. And we're going to see that thing a lot, that they have to trust in the Lord. And they also had to turn away from sin because this sin became a problem to uh, this people. The main section of the book is chapters, I think, 13 through 22, where the land is distributed between all the tribes where they all uh, receive their uh, allotment. Okay, at the 13 through 21, I think, is, is when the land is divided. So the book is broken up into four main sections. Uh, the first section is uh, chapters 1 through 5, where they cross into the land. And then the second part is where they take the land, they take possession of it in chapters 6 through uh, 12. You know, Jericho fell. And then you have the sin of Achan and then the defeat of Ai. And then you had um, defeating, uh, I mean, defending Gibeon. And then the conquest of the, the north part of the promised land. And then again, chapters 13 through 21, you have the dividing of the land where all the, the, the tribes were given their allotment. And then the last section of the book is the call to serve the Lord in the land. So that's the way the book is divided up. So this first section that, that we're going to look at here in a second deals with crossing into the land. And I had a map, but I didn't bring it with me. I'm going to try to have one for next week to look at to show you all kind of how the tribes were uh, distributed. So the main thing they're going to do is cross the Jordan River. So we're going to look at the first chapter here and begin reading at the first few uh, verses. Now, before I do that, why would we need to study this book? One of the things of this book is spiritual warfare. Uh, Israel is warring against the enemies of God in order to conquer this land that God had already given to them. The life that we live as Christians is one of spiritual warfare as individuals and also as a local church. And in that warfare, we have to take steps of faith in God to be able to engage our enemies. And that's what Israel had to do to successfully engage the enemy and overcome the obstacles that the enemy puts in our way. We have to have faith in God, faith in what God can do, faith in the promises of God. Faith in God's mighty arm. Faith in God's mightiness in defeating our enemy's force. It requires faith to do that. Going up against our enemies. Another thing is also to, to consecrate our hearts. That's another reason to study this book. To develop a commitment to courage. To be courageous. We're going to see this in this first chapter. To be strong and of good courage. To step out in faith. Uh, to trust God and not fear man. That's another thing that we will see in this book that we will need to study. We also learn about spiritual leadership. What does it mean to be a godly leader? How that looks. We'll see that through Joshua. Also we'll see. Why I study this book? Because we will see God being faithful to keep his promises to his people. We will see the faithfulness of God. We will see God being faithful to the covenant that he made to Abraham. Another reason to read this book 
is so that we can see the seriousness of sin. Sin and its consequences. We will see that in his book. That's another reason why. And also to see God's sovereignty over all the nations. God is sovereign over nations of uh, evil nations as well as good nations. God is sovereign over them all. And the last good reason to study this book is to see how the events in this book point to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And what he does for us in defeating our enemies for us. That, that is another reason to study uh, this book. So we're going to look at the first chapter. Look at these verses and um, begin to study here. So let's look at Joshua chapter 1. And see what the Lord has to say to us. So it says here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, his servant. This is God speaking in verse two. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. You and all this people into the land that I am giving to them. To the people of Israel. Okay. So God is. Beginning to take them over to Jordan. The Jordan River. You know you. You know there were some old hymns that talked about Jordan. You know going over the Jordan River. Going into the promised land. And that's what this is. About. So. God is going to commission. His work. He says. Every place that your, the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. So Joshua was the trustee of the land for the people. Okay, He was the one whom God was trusting to take these people into the land. That's why I said every place that the sole of your feet uh, would tread, I have given to you. So Joshua serves as Israel's representative as they go into the promised land. In the same way, our representative, who is our representative? Jesus. Just as Joshua was Israel's representative before God, before his people, by leading them into the promised land, Jesus is our representative, and he goes before us. And what we have in God, we possess in Jesus Christ. Wherever, wherever Israel, wherever Joshua treaded, God would give to them. He had already given it to them. Jesus goes before us and what we have in God, we possess in him. So it's the same picture here. We're going to see a lot of gospel applications as we go through this book. But remember, the whole land was given to them. God had given them this land. But they could only possess that which they had claimed. He says, every place that the sole of your feet would tread upon, I have given you. So what they took must be fought for against determined opposition. God had given them the land, but they were going to encounter opposition. 
And what God did was he called Israel to be in partnership with him to go into this land and to conquer it. That's what he was calling for. So taking the land took effort. They weren't going to just walk in. Those pagans were not, were not just going to lay down their arms and just let Israel just walk in and take their land. That just, it just wasn't going to happen like that. They had to press ahead for what God had called them to. And that was to take this land that he had given them. So verse 4 and 5 says, From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, this is so, so good of a promise. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Hmm. That's very familiar. So. The territories laid out. God was very precise. It, it wasn't a pie in the sky promise. It was it was very specific. It was real land that had real boundaries. So the promised land was a real land. It was real land it was real it wasn't pie in the sky God described it from Euphrates the great river to the land of Hittites to the great sea going down to the going down the sun shall be your territory so God had given them a specific plot of land just for them it was specific you know God is always specific in his promises he's always specific in what he does he doesn't do things at random. He's very specific, very precise. That's how God is. Everything he does is precise. It's to the T, as they say. He dots all his I's and crosses all his T's. So he was very precise about this land. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So what is this saying? They weren't going to have victory because of, of who Joshua is. They were going to have victory because of who God is. It wasn't because Israel was a great nation because they were not. But it was because God is a great God. We must know this as believers. It's not about who the leader is. Not about how great a person think they are. It's all about who God. God is the great God. God is a great God. He is the only true God. And because of that, the Lord says, well, I will be with you. <laughs> this is enough for anybody who's seeking God's will. God says, I'm with you. Guess what? It's done. You have absolutely nothing to worry about. You have, you have absolutely nothing to fear nothing to be scared of nothing to be timid about when God says he's with us guess what he's with us that is a covenant promise and we see that same promise in other scriptures I will not leave you nor forsake you let's take a quick survey of that promise First Chronicles 28 and 20. 
Turn to First Chronicles 28 and 20. First Chronicles is after First, I mean Second Kings. First Chronicles 28 and 20. This is David giving his charge to his son Solomon. First Chronicles 20 and 20. This is what David said. Then David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. David promised his son Solomon when Solomon was uh, about to build the temple that God would be with him. Turn to Matthew the 28th chapter. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples after he gave them the great commission. Matthew 28. I think around the 20th verse. 18. 2018. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So he's gave them the great commission. He's given to his disciples. And behold, I am with you how often? Always. Even to the end of the age. I am with you always. He's with them always. He will never leave them nor forsake them. And then we're not going to turn to this, but Hebrews 13 and 5 says the same thing. To be content with things, such things as we have. For the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't, be, don't give in to covetousness. The Lord will take care of us. So God gave the same promise to Joshua. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And you know the great thing about that? God fulfills his promises. If God says that he's not going to leave you, then guess what? He's not. And for us as believers, guess what? God never leaves us. God never abandons us as his children. He does not abandon us. He doesn't leave us to our own devices. He doesn't leave us to our own strength. We trust and look to God. Why? Because he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always be with us. We can rest assured that that is what's going to happen. And then God continues to encourage him, looking at verses 6 through 9. It's one of my favorite sections of this first chapter. He says, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people... You shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore 
to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe and to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and what? Of good courage. So do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, dismayed rather, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, that is a condition of promise of victory. The Lord is with you wherever you go. The Lord is with you wherever you go. The Lord is with you wherever you go. The Lord be with you. So the first thing we see here is that Joshua is called to boldness in God. God says what? Be strong. Be strong. He says be strong. Now. God saying this exposes a weakness in Joshua. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Why would you tell someone to be strong if they're already strong? So obviously this shows that Joshua was not strong. So this is an imperative. Be strong. That is an imperative. That is a command that God gives to Joshua. Be strong, Joshua, because obviously Joshua was weak. There was a weakness. There was a need for such a command. As great of a leader as Joshua was, guess what? He needed encouragement. All great leaders still need encouragement. Now, I'll say this. This boldness that God commanded Joshua to was not Joshua's boldness. Okay? This bold courage wasn't in Joshua. It was in who? God. Because we can be so full of self-confidence that it'll ruin us. Because we're, we're relying on our own confidence, our own strength. But when we rely on God, we can have God confidence. And this is what God was calling Joshua to, God confidence, confidence in him. His boldness, his, his courageousness, his courage was going to come from God. It wasn't going to come from within himself. Because our courage within ourselves will wane. It will, it will fade away because we're human. We're flesh. We're like grass. We're we're here today and gone tomorrow. We're strong today and weak tomorrow. We're confident today and shy tomorrow. So he says, be strong for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land uh, which I swore their fathers give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all 
according to all rather the law which Moses my servant commanded you now Joshua had to take great care to observe the law the pillar of his success was going to be observing according to all the law so Joshua didn't only need to read God's law he also needed to do what live it he had to do it God tells him this he says first it had to be on his lips it should not depart from your mouth and then it had to be in his mind he told him to do what meditate on it day and night so it had to be in his mind and then he had to do it observe to do according to all that is written so not only did he have to read it it had to be on his lips it had to be in his mind and he had to do it and that is the pattern for us as believers not only do we read God's word but we have to speak it we have to speak God's truth as we read God's truth we speak it we tell God's truth wherever we are no matter what circumstance we're in no matter what context we're in we're always speaking God's truth always speaking God's truth and we have to meditate on it we have to think about it we have to ponder it what does this mean what is God saying to me how do I need to respond to what I read how do I need to live you know how is God calling me to 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 meditate on this to to think on it to clean my thinking to give me right thinking to have me thinking biblical thoughts and thinking from a biblical worldview that's how we meditate on God's word what well, you know how, how do I need to be thinking about this passage and then to do it to live it out how do I apply God's word to my everyday living to do according to all that is written this is the call for every believer he says but then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success now God's word when we live it it is a guarantee of Christian success but it doesn't promise a life without problems but it ensures us of a life where we're able to deal with anything because we take full advantage of God's presence and his promises live according to God's word will give us success and it doesn't mean necessarily material success because the thing is a Christian success is not measured by the same standards as the world's success we have to always remember that success can come in how we face adversity as believers how we face suffering as believers think about how the world faces suffering they do it through drugs they do it through alcohol they do it through uh, sexual promiscuity they, they do it through uh, mutilating their bodies they do it through murdering their, their babies in the womb they, they try to do it by all these means to handle all this, all this grief they do it by unfortunately committing suicide or, or getting, on, on, you know, getting addicted to uh, prescription drugs they do all these things to deal with the suffering in this world or they just sit and murmur and complain about it and say how much they hate their 
life and how much they just hate life, period. They, they, they deal with it all those ways. But as Christians, if we live by the book, then guess what? God will help us. God comes alongside us and shows us how to deal with those things in life. Romans 8, 36 and 37 says, even if the world accounts us as sheep for the slaughter, we're actually more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors despite what happens to us, despite the discouragements we face, despite the disappointments we encounter, despite our feelings and the despondency that we may feel, the, the despairing of life, despite all those things, guess what? We're still more than conquerors through him, through Christ, who loved us. That's Christian success, knowing that we're more than conquerors no matter what. And then he ends by saying, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the infallible encouragement. And this is repeated again from Joshua 1 and 5. Again, Joshua's success did not depend on his ability to keep God's word. It depended on God's presence. Friends, anything that happens... Anything that we want to accomplish in this life, in the Lord's name, we have to depend on the Lord. We can't depend on ourselves. We can't depend on our own strength. We just can't do it. Because it's not going to work. It's not going to help us. So God gives him that command, and then Joshua assumes command here in verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. So within three days, they're about to do it. Then he gives a reminder to the tribes, the eastern tribes in verses 12 through 15, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. He says, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall Remain in the land that Moses gave you belong to Jordan. For all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise so basically these tribes on the east side of the river had promised to cross over and help the rest of the nations take possession that's what they promised to do so that's basically what the Lord was saying here uh, to them so uh, Manasseh half of Manasseh the Reubenites and the Gadites 
we're going to cross over the land first and then help the rest of the nation to take uh, the west side of the Jordan. You got the east side and the west side of the Jordan. So they were going to come over and help them uh, take possession of the rest of the land. And then they answered Joshua, all that you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord our God, Lord your God, be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandments and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So now the tribe, they do what? They encourage Joshua. They basically promise their allegiance to him. So Israel here in the beginning is showing unity. All that you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. They were in unity as a nation in order to fulfill God's calling and promise. So this is how the Christian church works. We dwell together in unity. The, the Bible says how, how good... And how blessed it is for the brethren or brethren and sisters. It's basically talking about brethren and all the, the, the people of God to dwell together in unity. It is so good when the people of God dwell together in unity and say with one voice, Lord, wherever you send us, we will go. So they had unity as a nation at this point. And unity is always essential to fear God's promises and do God's as a church and as a people of God we're united under Christ we're, under, we're united under one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all and, uh, and all and through us all that's Ephesians 4 in the first uh, few verses of that of that chapter that unity is so glorious when Christians when God's people show that united front it is so encouraging and the people willingly received Joshua as their leader just as we heeded Moses and all things so we will heed you this was a confirmation of God's word to Joshua but you know so you know in our human nature people can get jealous they can they can be partial they can like one leader over another one over another but Israel didn't show that in this moment they showed allegiance to Joshua just as they did to Moses and that's a great encouragement to Joshua as he gets ready to lead these people they said at the end only be strong and of good courage this was a confirmation of God's word God loves to confirm his word to us. What is God telling us as believers as we see in Joshua? Be strong. Paul says this in Romans 6. I'm sorry, Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We, re we derive our strength from the Lord to face life, life's obstacles, life disappointments life's joys we 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 trust in god because we won't get too high <laughs> you know 
to Heri and Hamad. Trusting in God keeps our highs from being too high and our lows from getting too low. We're strong in the Lord Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has accomplished our victory for us. We can look to the Lord and be strong and of good courage. And that is the message to all of us in here, all of us who are watching this, all of us who, who will hear this. We encourage other believers, be strong in the Lord. Those of us in our congregation who are sick, who are facing illnesses, be strong in the Lord, Dolores. Be strong in the Lord, Daryl. Mary, be strong in the Lord as 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 you deal with uh, what's going on with your son. Fran, be strong in the Lord with what you're doing on your job. Harvey, be strong in the Lord as you're in the hospital. Phyllis, Emily, Grace, Melissa, RJ, Chandler, <laughs> everybody, the girls, Haley, Gerald, all of us, be strong in the Lord. Trust in the Lord's strength. Trust in the Lord's power. Be strong in the Lord. Trust in his strength. Because what did God promise? He will what? Never leave us. He will always be with us. He will never forsake us. God will not abandon us. And that's what I pray that we see as we look at this book because guess what? Joshua's going to need all the encouragement he can get when they get ready to cross over. Amen? But this was a shorter lesson tonight, so uh, we're going to pray and then close out. Lord, we thank you for the final command in this chapter. Only be strong and courageous. Help us to be strong. Help us to be courageous. Help us to trust in you. Help us to be strong with your strength and not our own. Lord, our strength is weak. Our strength is feeble. Lord, help us to be strong in you and you alone. Help us to look to Christ. We thank you that Christ is our strength. That Christ endured the cross for us. To strengthen us in our walk with you, Lord. Help us to always look to you. Always look to you, Lord. And be strong and of good courage. In Christ's name, amen.